Need a miracle worker? We have one for you. We'll talk about him next on Times of Refreshing. Miracle workers. Now, we're not talking about some of those who claim to be miracle workers, and sometimes you might see a a bit of it, and sometimes you might not. No, we're talking about the real deal today in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Hi there. Welcome to Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, from the well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. Our series on the Holy Spirit continues today as we take a look at his role as a miracle worker. Join us as we examine the person and work of the Holy Spirit together. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman now with today's program. We're going to continue this series of messages on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm really excited about this one. The title of this message is The Holy Spirit, The Miracle Worker. You know, I, I don't know about you all, but I still believe that God does miracles. He is in the miracle working business. And I think for every single one of us as believers, um, we've got to embrace this biblical perspective on who God is. God, he works miracles in our lives. And the the greatest miracle is is the miracle of salvation. A person getting born again, and I say this often in the church, is the greatest miracle than a person could ever experience in their lives. It is a miracle for us to be born again, to be born from above, to begin to take on the very nature of God through our Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to change us from the inside out and to begin to reflect him in the earth is a miracle. None of us in this room could change in our own power. For limited periods of time, we can adjust our, our character and nature. But if we have the old Adam in us, we're going to revert back to doing things that the old Adam does. But glory be to God through, the, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We have the opportunity to experience the greatest miracle, and that is the miracle of being born again of salvation. How many glad about that this morning? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. Let's look at verses 7 on down to 8. Verses 7 and 8. And we'll just let the word of God work. We want to we really, really see this so it becomes perfectly clear in our minds. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. It says here in verse 7, he says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. He says, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And then it says in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is, somebody say is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This has to be clear for everyone in this room and for everyone that is watching. Everyone has to get this. He is the same. The same Jesus 
who rose the dead, the same Jesus that healed the sick, the same Jesus who fed the multitudes, the same Jesus that walked on water, the same Jesus that preached repentance, the same Jesus that, that, that brought deliverance and cast out demons is the same Jesus that has birthed the church, that is in the church, that walks with the church, and that is in us personally as individuals. This is the same Jesus. He hasn't changed his conduct. He hasn't changed his perspective. He is the same yesterday. He's the same today, and he's the same forever. He's the same one. And so we have to get this very, very fixed and clarified in our minds. There's a group of theologians, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call them theologians, but they're, they're, there's a group of individuals that are teaching now and we, that, that Jesus doesn't heal in this day. They're called cessationists. And they teach that, 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 you know, Jesus, that was before the apostles and Jesus doesn't do things like that. And, and he doesn't work like that now. And he's changed. No, the Bible says, the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I don't care what, what whoever says. We pick up our Bibles and we find out what is Jesus have to say concerning himself. And what do the apostles have to say concerning Jesus? The thing has to be clear. The thing that has to be clear in all of our minds, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see this a lot in the book of Acts, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he continued his ministry on. Now, not only doing miraculous works in their midst, but also through people doing miraculous works. Seeing the, hand, the handiwork of God revealed through the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes that took place through people, but I think for all of us, it has, we want to create a culture here in this church and an atmosphere in this church where we believe God to do miraculous things. How many need a miracle in your life? And so what I'm saying is, this is, when we get this fixed, that he's the same, then we can proceed from there. The word miracle in the, in the Greek is a very powerful word. It is a word, it is, a, it is defined here as a sign by which the divine power in majesty is made known. A sign by which the divine power in majesty is made known. God's majestic power is made known to humanity. He says here, a supernatural, now watch this, a supernatural event or act. And I think this is one of the things that we have to really embrace about the miraculous power of God. And sometimes we just limit it to somebody getting healed or we just limit it to, you know, um, something along those, that, that nature or something physical happens with somebody. We have to see that a miracle is not just the act of someone getting healed, although that is powerful. But you also have to see it as also events in a, in a life. And we're going to see this in the scripture that sometimes an event, a series of events going along a, a path that God has ordained and established can be very miraculous. Let me say this too. Some of you getting the job that you got was a miracle. Because some of you know you wasn't even qualified. But God said you're qualified. And some of you was in there faking it in the interview. Well, I'm just playing. Don't do that. 
But what I am saying is that we have to see that as a, as a series of events. And I think sometimes, even in our personal lives, we don't see the miracles that are going on all around us. If we would stop and just see how God has, has orchestrates a series of events in your life to cause his name to be glorified, and it wasn't just a happenstance. It didn't just happen. It was just God was on your side, and God favored you. Can I have an amen? And he caused this person to open that door, and he moved this, and he shut that, and he moved you in. And when you was mad, he said, you're going to be happy in a minute. Hang on in there, because I'm about to move this and move that. And, and sometimes that's miraculous. When you look up and say, man, look what God did. And all you can say is, but God. Can I have an amen? It is a supernatural event or act, a token, a wonder, a miracle by which the power and presence of God is manifested. God manifests his power, his presence of the presence of God, and he gives you a token. He gives you a glimpse of his majesty and his ability to do what he needs to do in your life. He says either directly or through the agency of those whom he sends. And sometimes God does this through people. He does miraculous works through people. He opens a door through a person, or he moves through a person. Somebody lays hands on you, and God causes a miracle. It, there's, God works. He loves to work. And we have to learn to look up and say, God, thank you for your handiwork in my life. Thank you for supernaturally orchestrating and ordering my steps, bringing me to the place that I am now, or bringing me, or, or opening a door and, and providing for me to go down a path that I never dreamed I could be able to go into. This is the kind of God that we serve. Amen? Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Let's look at verses 1 to 10. Now, let's just really get in here and see God's handiwork through the power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people. Acts chapter 1, we saw that a couple weeks ago, how the Holy Spirit would come upon the disciples. And when the Spirit of God descended upon them, they would receive power. And they would be witnesses. Acts chapter 2, they are filled with the Spirit of God and they begin to demonstrate the power of God, begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Peter stands up and clarifies what's just happened and the church is officially empowered by the Spirit. Acts chapter 3, we get into the Holy Spirit now manifesting himself in and through the people of God. Look at verse 1. He says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. And so we see very clearly here that the Spirit of God has, has empowered them to go forth using the name of Jesus to bring healing, deliverance, and in this case, a, a powerful miracle in the life of this man that everybody knew was bound, was lame, had come to that gate, beautiful gate, many times, everybody knew. And he, looking and expecting to receive something, Peter said, I don't have, I'm not going to give you money. I'm not going to give you all this stuff. What I have, I'm giving to you. And that's the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And through the influence of the Holy Spirit, we see him raising this guy up and God getting glorified through his life. I think there's a couple things that we want to draw from this that I think is, is, uh, is important. And number one is found in verse 5. It says, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And I think this is important for us as saints. When people come to the church, when people get around us, when people get into our midst, we have to develop a level of expectation in the house. When people come to a local church, the expectation should be, man, I can go there and give my life to Jesus. I can go there and get right with Jesus. I can get, go there and become born again. I can get around those people. And not just when we come together as a church, but I can get around those people and they'll pray for me and lay hands. There's an expectation that people should have when they're around them. There's an expectation that we should have as saints of God. That, that, that when, when I respond to an altar call, I want, I'm believing that God is going to move in my life in this particular area. When those people lay hands on me, when they pray for me, God is going to move. When they start worshiping, I'm going to lift my hands, and my expectation is, is that God is going to touch me when I start to worship. When I wake up in the morning, my expectation is the Holy Spirit is going to be hovering over me. Can I have an amen in here? Saying, we got to get an expectation. This man, it didn't say what he expected, but he expected to receive something from them. And we have to change the church. This is not just a social club. You know, I, I heard one person say, and I think this is, this is important. When we gather as a people of God and as a church, we have to get out of a cruise ship mentality. This is not a cruise ship. This is not the love boat. This is a battleship. Can I have an amen? The devil is trying to take us out, but we're flipping the script on him with the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I have an amen? We got to develop a battleship. Now, there's a lot of love on the battleship, but we have to understand that people come into church with real problems, real issues, and there has to be an expectation that when I get around these people, something can change in my life. My marriage can change. My mind can change. My physical and emotional and spiritual, I can receive healing in these areas of my life. And we have to develop this, this culture where people at the well, I can't speak for every church, but people at the well, that we are believers. And there's an expectation 
that when we come to church, that man, there's a power of God there. God's going to hear my prayers. God's going to, and these people, when we come together, that, that there's something dynamic that takes place in our midst. Why? Because there's so many, the house is filled with faith. It's filled with faith. These, this man, number one, he was expecting to receive something. Some people come to church, they don't respect their seat. I just want to hear a good message. I'm out of here. But you'd be surprised what people are dealing with that are sitting right next to you. And they need a miracle. And we have to unite our faith together for the sake of seeing this. But he expected to receive something. Number six, verse number six, look at this. He says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This is another point that I wanted to draw from this verse. Is that Peter clearly knew what he had. He knew what he had in the power of the name of Jesus. Do we really know what we have in the name of Jesus? This man is, he's raised up immediately. Because he, Peter knew exactly what he had. And that was the power of the name of Jesus. And how the Holy Spirit would work through the, 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 the power of the name of Jesus to, to invoke the power of God and, and to release a miracle into this man's life. And I think we have to stop and realize that the Holy Spirit is not going to, he's not going to uh, confirm our, our whining and crying. But when we start to really know what we have and use what he's authorized us to use, then we're going to see an effect. We want to see miracles, but we have to get in alignment with God's, his standard. And that is, you have to know what you have. Peter knew exactly. These guys knew exactly where we got power in the name of Jesus. We got power in the name of Jesus. We have power in the name of Jesus. How many believe we got power in the name of Jesus? Power in the name of Jesus. The last thing I want you to see here is verses 9 and 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. You know, I think this is another thing that's important for us. God will not give us the real if we, continually, if we continue to glorify the fake. It was very clear from this man that he was healed. He experienced a miracle. And I've preached on this a lot of times in the church. What we don't want to happen is for us to develop a culture within our church where we're stretching stuff. I was blind, but now I see. This man was lame, but now he's made whole through the power of God. And everybody saw. We want undeniable proof. And I want to say this, and, I, and, I, and I, I may get in some trouble, but man, I've been in trouble before. Listen, what, what happens to some, sometimes is we sensationalize stuff. And we, and, and we get, and we, we, we go too far. And what I mean by that is this. You know, some of this stuff, ah, Lord help me. You know, we go on TV we say this person got healed, that person got healed, that person got healed. And we make a big ministry and we blow it up and we put it all over the poster. And you come back 
and the person never really got healed. But you sold tapes, you sold videos. You know, the thing, the thing that we got to learn to do is, is make sure that when God does something, that God gets all the glory. And, 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 and we have to get, the thing I love about, the thing I love about Jesus is sometimes he would do something miraculous and he would say, shh, don't tell anybody. This isn't a popularity contest. This isn't, this isn't, you know, we don't need to blow it up and, 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 you know, let, hey, if somebody else wants to blow it up. But what I'm saying is saying sometimes God doesn't trust us because he knows that what happens for us a lot of times is people have a tendency to sensationalize things for the sake of just building their ministry. And that's not what this is all about. Can you, can we as a church glorify God for the simple things as much as we want to glorify him for the big things? Let me say this. Some, some of you guys right now, you, got, you may have family members or people in this church that you've been trying to get to service for years. And this is, they just showed up today. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so what I'm saying is, is we don't want to overdo it. And, and you guys know my background. I came out of the entertainment industry. I know sports and football stadiums packed. And, you know, that's, that's one thing. But the church, we don't want that type of pomp and circumstance in the church. Look at your neighbor and tell him, keep it simple, man. We're not trying to sell tickets. We're just trying to glorify Jesus. Amen. And I think what happens here, what happens here is, is that when you read this book, you see that it wasn't a hype fest. It's just simple. And this is the culture that these saints had and God used them. And then when this man gets up and he really does get saved, people are astonished and amazed. And then they move on to the next thing that God's getting ready to do. That's how we want to make sure we cultivate the atmosphere in our church. Can I have an amen? Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Let's look at this. And so we see in chapter 3, the Holy Spirit empowered them. And, and, and through the use of the name of Jesus, a miraculous work taking place. Look at, look at Acts chapter 5, verses 12 on down to 16. It says here in verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter, wow, passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people, and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And it says, and they were what? Healed. Okay. And so this is also important. So we see these individuals God is using through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now God is using these individuals. I, I like what it says, the apostles. It wasn't a one-man band. It was a group of people. And these individuals, God was using them. And God was manifesting his glory. He was doing miraculous signs and wonders in the midst of these individuals. But I want to highlight two things in this passage that are important. It says here in verse 16, 
Also, a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So two things, sick people. You know, in this church, we believe in the laying on of hands. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God still heals through prayer. And you're listening to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman here today on Times of Refreshing. Our desire is to see you grow in Christ through the daily ministry of God's Word. And as you take time to spend with us studying God's Word, we trust you are being encouraged in Christ. You can reach out to us by phone, 925-292-7800, 925-292-7800, or write to us, Times of Refreshing, 2333 Nissan Drive, Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. You're also welcome to visit our website, thewellchurch.net. It's a great place to visit if you would like information regarding who we are, where we meet, what we're about. Past sermons are available online there as well as our online store, and you can even get connected with us there. Again, thewellchurch.net. I would invite you to join us on either our church app, at our website, thewellchurch.net, or on our YouTube channel for our weekly message at 1030. Pastor Napoleon will share a message from the Lord just like he used to with his program, Hope of Glory. And remember to be faithful as well during this time of challenge with your giving. You can give online through our website, through the church app, or by mail to the church office. And we are praying and standing on His truths during this time and remembering that God is in control and we're praying for you. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.